0: In our sermon this afternoon, we're going to look at our confession about the doctrine of baptism. Our reading of Scripture is going to be from Romans chapter 6, where the Apostle Paul begins by speaking about baptism and its place in the Christian life. So Romans 6, 1 through 14, it's on page 1298. Romans 6, verse 1, hear the word of the Lord. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Let's now turn to our Heidelberg Catechism, read our Reformed Confession 2 about baptism, the first of two, Lord's Day 26. Lord's Day 26, first of all, question 69. There, the confessing church asks, How does holy baptism signify and seal to you that the one sacrifice of Christ on the cross benefits you? We answer, in this way christ instituted this outward washing and with it gave the promise that as surely as water washes away the dirt from the body so certainly his blood and spirit wash away the impurity of my soul that is all my sins what does it mean to be washed with christ's blood and spirit to be washed with christ's blood means to receive forgiveness of sins from god through grace Because of Christ's blood poured out for us in his sacrifice on the cross. To be washed with his spirit means to be renewed by the Holy Spirit and sanctified to be members of Christ. So that more and more we become dead to sin and lead a holy and blameless life. Where has Christ promised that he will wash us with his blood and spirit? As surely as we are washed with the water of baptism. In the institution of baptism where he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in or into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Matthew twenty eight, nineteen. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Mark sixteen, sixteen. This promise is repeated, where Scripture calls baptism the washing of regeneration and the washing away of sins. Titus three five and Acts twenty two sixteen. Let's sing after the sermon. Let's pray to God with these words from Hymn 63 1, 6, and 7. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, have you ever had the finger pointed at you? We're very good at pointing at others. It was them, it was their fault. He hit me first. It it wasn't me. After David's big sin with Bathsheba and Uriah, maybe you know of it, he commits adultery and essentially commits murder. The prophet Nathan comes to him, tells him a story about two men, a rich man and a poor man. The poor man has a little ewe lamb. It's like a pet to him. The rich man one day has a guest and as a host has to feed his guest something but does not want to slaughter any of his animals so he essentially steals the little ewe lamb of the poor man slaughters it and offers it to his guest so his guest can have some lamb chops David exclaims the man who deserves this who who did this deserves to die And then Nathan says, you are the man. Do we have any Nathans today? Hopefully a healthy church community. In some fashion we become Nathans to each other. Humbly and gently. But this is part of the communion of saints. That others would hold us accountable, and even point the finger at us from time to time. Here's another, Nathan, the sacrament of baptism. Baptism is, first of all, a big finger pointing at us. Baptism should ring with the words of Nathan the prophet, you are the man. Baptism tells us if our lives are to be bettered, something has to happen to us. Baptism tells us the problem is not so much out there, but in here. It's not our circumstances that need to be changed, it's us. In our form for baptism, we confess baptism signifies the impurity of our souls, So that we may detest ourselves, humble ourselves before God, and seek our cleansing and salvation outside of ourselves. That is in the form of baptism. I'd be curious to know how active that is in our lives. A baptism is given, first of all, so that we may detest ourselves. Are we busy with that? Baptism is given so that we look at ourselves and we even begin to hate things in us. A prominent psychologist said a few years back that he considers only one kind of person relatively hopeless. That's the person who is unable to have the finger pointed at them. The kind of person who's always blaming other people. You know when you have that kind of victim mentality, if you can own your problems, he said, I believe there's hope for you. There is a lot of truth to that. And baptism too teaches us that. It tells us even from the first moments of our lives, we are our biggest problems. But baptism is more than just good psychology. Baptism is just not, it's not just given to us so that we begin to own our problems. We need much more than that. And baptism is a sign of that as well. That we need nothing less than divine help. But that is what we have in Jesus Christ, in his blood and spirit. I've summarized this sermon then like this. Baptism is a sign of your salvation, and we'll look at two things that you and me too. We must be washed with, first of all, the blood of Christ and also the spirit of Christ. Now, what is the actual sign of baptism all about? You might know there's two sacraments. There's also the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. It's very clear the Lord's Supper is a meal. What about baptism? What's going on here? There's no real mystery about this, of course, is that baptism is about a washing. Even though we use only a little bit of water, generally speaking, and we just sprinkle for practical purposes, We need to remember that it is about a bath. Being scrubbed, being bathed from head to toe. Even if we just sprinkle in our minds, we ought to think about immersion. Do you like taking a bath? Maybe you don't. But what if you couldn't take a bath? How long could you tolerate it? Maybe a week, maybe a two, two weeks. Like your wife, if you're married, far less. How about you, if you went out without a bath for like a whole year? Can you imagine what you would be like? But that is what we are like without Jesus Christ. We are in desperate need of a bath. Sin, among other things, sin is dirty. In fact, in some places in the Bible, the Hebrew word for guilt is related to words for dung. Sin is dirty. It's not dirt like nice soil out in the fields, but more the kind of stuff you'd find in a barn. That's where sin leads us. Sexual sin, there's a reason why we think of it as something as dirty. It has a way of defiling. But it's not just that sort of sin. Really, every sort of sin defiles us. And perhaps at times you know that. I mean, have you ever had it? When you you gossip, when you say something, and and you know that your words, they haven't just been maybe untrue or or malicious. There's something defiling about them. And that you said them, they have an effect on somebody else, but they have an effect on you as well. All sin is like that something unclean, something impure, something defiling. We need to clarify as well that this is not just something that we feel. Although sometimes we feel this, but sometimes we don't feel this. But regardless of what we feel, this is what sin does to us. No matter how much we might feel it, before the judgment seat of God... We as sinners are defiled. We are filthy. Although you wash yourself with soda and use an abundance of soap, the stain of your guilt is ever before me, declares the Lord. Jeremiah 2, 22. Maybe sometimes we can get over the stench of our sin ourselves. But regardless of that, God sees the filth of your sin. The filth of its guilt. The filth of its misery. And isn't it troubling to think that? That that God sees that? I mean, maybe other people around you don't see it. Maybe you have gotten used to the filth of your sin. But God, the most holy God, your sin reeks to high heaven. The Jews in the Old Testament were very much taught about this. The holiness of God and their own unholiness. They had all those laws about clean and unclean. For instance, all of them taught them that their God, the true God, was serious about being pure and holy. You might know the Israelites. They had to be careful of what they ate. They had to be careful of what they planted out in their fields. They were not able to mix things together. They were very clothing even. All of this, constantly, they were reminded in every facet of human life, God is a holy God. It would be a challenge to keep all those laws and to remain ceremonially unclean or to remain ceremonially clean in the Old Testament. But it would be even more of a challenge to realize that all that ceremonial law in the Old Testament, that was just a teaching tool. That was just the tip of the iceberg. That was just to make the Israelites realize That this was what their sin was like. Can you and will you confess God is a holy God and I as a sinner know nothing about holiness. I am so utterly impure and defiled I need to be washed. Baptism is a challenge. That you need that. That even a little child needs that. But of course, it's also a promise from God that He will wash us in ways that no one else can. That's why in our Catechism in question 69, we ask, how does holy baptism signify and seal to you that the one sacrifice of Christ on the cross benefits you? How to catechism, as it deals with the sacraments, very much wants to steer us away from a Roman Catholic view of the sacraments? In the Roman Catholic Church, the sacraments become a kind of power in and of themselves. The sacraments almost become a sort of magical ritual. And that's why the Roman Catholic Church, too, has more than just sacraments of baptism and Lord's Supper, marriage, other things are a sacrament in the Roman Catholic Church because if you do those things and make them a sacrament, they give you things themselves in the working of that sacrament. The focus then is on the church and the church's rituals. Here in the heart of we steer away from all of that. Now the point of the sacraments are to focus our faith on the work of Jesus Christ. The point of the sacraments are to teach us and assure us about what His cross is all about. Baptism is not some sort of ritualistic washing. The water itself does not have to be blessed by the priest to do something like take away your original sin. That's completely pagan to think like that. That water, the church of Christ has a sacrament with water so that we understand this is what the cross the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ are all about. You say that you need a washing. You begin to feel the dirt of your sin. The work of Jesus Christ is that washing that we need. It's because Jesus Christ, He, first of all, gives us His blood. And he washes us with his blood. Now maybe that seems a bit strange. That being washed with blood can make you clean. Sometimes in the Old Testament, the priest, for instance, uh, sprinkles blood on the whole people. Assembled for worship, Moses does that in Exodus 24. It's a little bit too much to bathe the whole crowd, of course, in blood. But God makes it clear also in the Old Testament that he would be the one to wash his people with blood. And so they would be cleansed. That's the only way, in fact, that the dirt of our guilt can be removed. When I was younger in high school, one of the summers, I got to work on a vegetable farm. Um... One of the jobs that we had to do was suckering tomato plants. Tomato plants grow you know, suckers out from the, the branches. Suckers think that they're like another plant. They rob all the nutrients of the tomato plant and they don't produce any tomatoes themselves. So you'd have to sucker them all day long. You spend over these steak tomato plants and you can just pinch them off you know, between your fingers and then toss them. You spent the whole day doing that at the end of the day you looked at your hands they would be this weird deep brown color and no matter what you did there was no way of removing that stain but there were some portuguese ladies that also worked on this farm and they would tell you go find the ripest tomato you can find and just Smush it and wash your hands with that ripe tomato. And sure enough, all that tomato brownness would get out. Bit of a weird thing. That a tomato would be the cleansing agent. Something similar happens with Jesus Christ. Blood... Get out our blood guiltiness. We're in a bloody mess because of our sin. It's only blood that will fix things. And we have the blood of the Son of God. Maybe you might look around everywhere, try to find soap to get your hands clean. But the blood of the Son of God, that washes Our souls, truly, from all their sin and stain. In this regard, John Calvin, as we're talking about sacraments and also the Roman Catholic view of them, he has a word about the sacrament of penance in his institutes. Penance. That was another sacrament in the Roman Catholic Church still today. Penance is when you go to a priest, you confess your sins, and then he absolves you and gives you something to do. And when you do that, well then your sins are forgiven. You can be assured of that. We do not have penance as a sacrament like that. And we do not have a priest, for instance, who you confess to and who absolves you of your sin. Reformed ministers do not do that. They do not pronounce you forgiven. Something like that. We could have, certainly in our worship services, a passage from Scripture that would pronounce that. Absolutely. There are Scripture passages that do that. But then, John Calvin, as he debates this in his institutes, he correctly says Have we reformers done away with penance? Not at all, he says baptism is the real sacrament of penance it has been given to those who are intent on repentance as a confirmation of grace and a seal of assurance so if you see how john Calvin thought about baptism it's a scriptural way of thinking about baptism baptism is not just something to be done when we're a baby Baptism is something to be active in the life of a believer. Baptism is to assure us that we are cleansed and forgiven when we sin, when we repent. We are to remember. God has promised the blood of Jesus Christ washes us just as water was put on us at our baptism. That takes us to our second point. Baptism also promises us a washing with the Spirit of Christ. You and I, after all, we need more than just forgiveness. We also need life renewal in a broader sense. We all need to be changed. Now that can be very tough to admit, of course. I think by default, we all like to think I don't really need like deep change. Just give me another chance, I'll do better next time. We like to think, well, if we just change things on the soup on the surface of our lives, it'll be okay. It is a great time when we realize we need to be changed deep down or from head to toe. Look at Scripture. Look at the Old Testament, for instance. Is that not a lesson? The whole Old Testament, a lesson in how deep the power of God needs to go and needs to be. The Israelites... They're redeemed out of Egypt. The Red Sea is parted before them. They receive like manna from heaven. They're brought to a mountain that's like smoking and flaming and thundering. They see one miracle after another. But yet, they continue to want to desert their God, to seek other gods. They continue on a path of immorality. Immorality. Do you see that power of sin in your life? That you and I really are no different than those ancient Israelites? Even if we saw miracles, like the Red Sea parted before us, really, we need even far more than that. There is a deep rebellion in my heart against God. Maybe sometimes it's not, you know, rebellion like this with the fists. Maybe sometimes it is. But maybe sometimes it's more indifferent. Maybe sometimes it's more callous or just cynical. It's a little calmer. But it still is rebellion. But I don't want God to be my God. I don't want to live life the way that He thinks. The way that He commands. It should be lived. Now, I and you all, we all need to be born again. That's where Jesus confronts Nicodemus. That's where we all need to be confronted, especially those of us who grow up in a a church, in a religious community, born again. We need to be new creatures entirely, not just a bit of, of religious stuff sprinkled on us that we sort of outwardly conform to. If we are to be saved, to live with the Holy God forever, A whole me needs to go. And a new me needs to come in. But then, look to baptism. Because baptism is also a promise of this. The Apostle Paul in Titus 3 talks about how baptism is a washing of regeneration and renewal. Isn't that an amazing thing? A washing of regeneration. That's what the water of baptism signifies to us. Imagine if you had a washing machine like this that had a washing of regeneration cycle. So in other words, the washing machine doesn't just, you know, get the dirt out of your clothes, but but mends your clothes. You put in something old and tattered, it comes out looking like you just bought it from the store that'd be an amazing sort of washing machine that is what baptism is a promise of That not only would we be forgiven but we would be renewed that we would know the power of the spirit of the lord jesus christ And in closing, that's what the Apostle Paul deals with in Romans chapter 6. In Romans chapter 6, the Apostle Paul begins, earlier on in the book of Romans, he deals a lot with justification that we are righteous in Christ. Now he begins to focus on, let's say, sanctification. The change that God is working in our lives. And he puts baptism Front and center in this. Do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus, we're baptized into his death. We now share in Christ. We die with him, and we are also raised with him to walk in newness of life. Or look at verse 11 of Romans 6 there. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin but alive to god in christ jesus our lord now the king james and new king james here i think that's actually a good translation reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin the greek word that's used there is used often in the context of accounting or bookkeeping, calculating accounts. Reckon yourselves to be dead to sin. Reckon. I think the analogy of let's say bookkeeping is very accurate here. When you are busy with bookkeeping and that sort of thing, you you're not creating something new but you're beginning to realize what is there. That is what the Christian needs to do more and more as well. We do not create anything new, but we need to reckon. We need to do the math. We need to consider ourselves in relation to the work of Jesus Christ. And baptism is given to help you do that. Baptism helps you to do this reckoning, to count, or to account. It is given to tell you, you share, not only in the blood of Christ, but also in His death and in His resurrection. You belong to Christ. You share in Him. Now, live like that. Reckon yourselves as dead to sin. The Apostle Paul here in this chapter and also in some other places, he melds with this image of baptism. The image of having a master and he says sin sin is first of all our master but those who know jesus christ have died to sin there's really there's few ways to get out of being a slave especially of the master sin but if you die you are freed from your master That is what we need to realize. So often we look at ourselves. This is not about puffing ourselves up as if we're such great people. But don't we set the bar so low in our Christian lives? We begin to accept sin, we begin to normalize sin. We need to reckon ourselves as dead. To sin. That master sin. We, that whole existence has died in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our master. And we will look to Him. To His Word. We will live by His Spirit. Baptism is given to you to help you do that math. Noah, you and I as well. We can look to the rainbow and be reminded of God's promises. Abraham could look to the stars and also the sand of the sea. We have baptism. What is your baptism to you? Is it just something? You know, an item in your past. Yes, I I was baptized. Is it... Perhaps a bit of an insurance policy in your mind. Well, it's better to be baptized than not be. The story goes that Martin Luther, always buffeted by his own conscience, <clears throat> when he was a teacher, he had the habit of writing on his chalkboard so that he would see it when he himself entered his classroom in the morning. I have been Baptized. Do you see why? Amen.